Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us on the phone, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. All right. So this is a song from, I guess, late 60s, maybe early 70s. Uh, It's Buddy Miles' group. Uh, Buddy Miles was a drummer, I believe, and... and, uh, I don't know if it's this version. It's got Jimi Hendrix on guitar. He was kind of a member of that group for a little while. But this was, when I was growing up, this was the absolute garage band song. Like if, you know, because here's the reason. It, it kind of had elements of soul and kind of dance music to it, but it also had elements of rock. So you'd see... A lot of guys, you know, that would put a little band together, this would always be in their repertoire. Just kind of a little piece of information. I don't know if you're interested or not, but. Trivia. You don't sound very interested, so. All right, well, we'll just pot it on down. Yeah, really? Yeah. Buddy Miles played with uh, Santana, too. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I do remember that. Now, that's some good trivia. Yeah, that's good trivia right there. Mine's not so you good. Talk, you talk about some uh, good rhythm section. Band of Gypsies and Santana. Yeah. That's what made Santana. I mean, San, Carlos Santana's great, but the rhythm section was just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, he was a remarkable guy. And, uh, you know, the, these are just things that I recall. But th- this is the one song that he was kind of known for. So, Anyway, um, I like old music. It's just kind of, well, I played a little newer music on the um, first hour, but it it actually, some of it sounds like older music. (laughs) People keep going back to funk and stuff like that. But, well, Mike, uh, looks like our boy uh, that we, you know, that that tries to have everybody get out of debt. Um, kind of crossed over into the investment lane and uh, you know he's given people advice uh, and this would be none other than the famous Dave Ramsey uh, and his shtick for, for, for years was to get out of debt and primarily the kind of debt he was having people get out of would, would be called consumer debt and that's anything but a mortgage. So, um, 
and and I mean he's he's forgetting out of mortgage debt also, but the the first one that he would coach people on would be paying off credit cards or consumer loans. And he'd say, start with this one, the little one, first knock it out, then go to the next one and kind of knock them out one by one. That way you have a sense of progress. And, boy, it really helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, you know, the last, well, for quite a while, he's been advising people also in the investment arena and he even does things like uh, has these, Oh, I don't know. They're kind of endorsed financial advisors that he that can get in his program, and then you get referrals. And I guess you got to pay to be in it. I mean, there, there's a it's kind of a network, and you're a you're an endorsed Dave Ramsey financial guy. We're not into those kinds of things, but I'm not knocking it, but. But the the problem sometimes that Dave Ramsey encounters is that he takes his expertise in the area of uh, getting people out of debt, and then he starts, you know, giving opinions on on uh, investing and withdrawing from IRAs and things like that. It's a little bit like uh, back in the seventies you had these guys that made a lot of money in the coal business up in Eastern Kentucky and they would buy farms up here in Lexington. And then all of a sudden they figure, well, you know, I was an expert in the coal business. Therefore I can be an expert in the horse business. And it doesn't always translate. Uh, Being good at one thing does not uh, necessarily mean you're going to be good at something else. It's like doctors. Anybody that's ever known doctors, you know, they're great at medicine, healing people and stuff. Then all of a sudden they sometimes, and this isn't true of all doctors, but if you're a doctor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They become experts in a, in investing just because they're experts in everything else. And it's not always true. So evidently, and you, you kind of saw it, uh, he's been giving people advice Dave Ramsey has regarding investments and withdrawals and retirement plans and 401ks and IRAs, and, and sometimes it might be a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. It, this one was a little bit off. That's an understatement. Is, so I don't regularly listen to his stuff. I, I, I've taught his course on the debt pay down. I'm very familiar. I think that's great. Um, but this one in particular, um, really got me. So he had, uh, it was a, a younger guy called in was asking, uh, in the future, what kind of withdrawal rate should, should I be able to take from a portfolio? And this guy, he had done some research. He said, you know, I've seen 4%. I've seen as high as 5%. I've seen someone say 3% and Ramsey just went off and, uh, was, belligerent and said that is stupid moronic you shouldn't be you shouldn't uh take anything less than eight percent out of there and he said the way that i'm coming to this eight percent is i have averaged 12 percent a year and if you take off four percent long-term inflation rate from that that leaves you eight percent there you go and 
and the girl that was on there with him was kind of pushing back lightly, I guess as much as she can. And he just kept going on about that. There, so let's break it down. The, the so he was telling that, this guy that let, let's say the guy's got a, uh, I don't know, $500,000 portfolio. And if he had planned on taking out uh, 4% a year, that would be 20,000 bucks a year out of a, Four hundred or five hundred thousand dollar portfolio. That's four percent. That allows for uh, growth to be banked back in, plus um, any potential down markets uh, where the four percent could become a lower number in a down market. Um, it would be historically prudent as a number. Uh, and then he Ramsey was saying, no, it shouldn't be twenty thousand bucks a year you take out of say a five hundred thousand dollar portfolio. We're looking at forty thousand a year coming out because I have gotten, and this is the backward looking thing. I've been getting twelve percent on average. He did not say twelve percent, bang bang bang, year after year. He, did he say that? Exactly. No. He, he did. He didn't. On average, he said on average. He said on average. So, so let exactly. me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Twenty or twelve percent on average can be so all over the map it'll make your head swim. So he says, "I'm getting twelve percent." That amazes me. And he says, "You can safely take." So what he's saying is, my my twelve percent average returns have not come bang 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 bang, but. I'm telling you, you can take out 8% a year, bang, 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 bang. So you're taking an 8% withdrawal and superimposing it on an 8% every year withdrawal and superimposing it on an erratic 12% average. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Okay. Now, Mike, tell him why that's not a good idea. Quite simply sequence of return risk what what's that explain, explain so, what that is so, so that nobody you can any mistake about yep. what you're talking about so over that period let's say it's a 30-year period and the return is 12 percent on average those returns like you said you're going to have years where it's up 15 percent up eight percent down 20% down whatever it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be all over the place um and there 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 was a study that was done it was a Monte Carlo simulation based on Ramsey's thesis here and going back and looking at 30 years of, and there's there's one particular fund. It's a growth fund. It's basically basically an index fund for all practical purposes. Um, and they You're talking about a mutual a mutual fund. Uh, it's a it's an open end mutual fund, right? And run at, doing the Monte Carlo simulation, which says okay, over a rolling thirty year period, forty two percent of the time you ran out of money. 
taking so out how much ta- taking out how much a year taking out taking out that eight percent withdrawal forty two percent of the time you ran out of money and how and what, had, what had the fund averaged over that time uh, right at right about twelve percent uh, so right, you're telling right me that a 12. fund that averaged twelve percent over time and took out eight percent every year ran out of money over 40 percent of the time on, on in those scenarios exactly that's crazy so why would you risk doing what dave ramsey suggested and giving yourself a 42 percent historical chance of totally exhausting your money and did it say how long it would typically take them to run out of money <laughs> It ran the gamut. The shortest was 10 years. Wow. And see, the other thing is that 8%, is it an eight per, is it 8% of the starting amount or 8% of the sequentially smaller amounts? No, it would be 8% of the, of the starting amount. Starting amount. Okay, so if, it, if yeah. the guy started with $500,000, it's going to be 40,000, 40,000. Yeah. And then you just, you get a down year. And now that 8% of the starting amount could become like 12% or 13% of the, uh, current amount. That's right. One of the really interesting graphs they have on here, um, is it shows the 30 year, uh, success they have a green dot if it's a success a red dot if it was not there are a lot of red dots above that eight percent return because of the sequence of return because it's roughly saying here roughly the first 10 years of retirement the returns in those first 10 years make the biggest difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. The first years of your return are critical. And I'll I'll put it this way. Let's say right out of the gate, you have a down. Let's just say you have a negative year of any amount. could be down 2%, 10%, 12%, whatever. You almost... (laughs) You're almost better going back to work for a few years because, you know, if if you if you throw your retirement uh, plan under the bus, so to speak, in the first one, two, or three years, it, it's going to be very hard going forward, you know, to sustain the amount of money you were taking out or planning to take out. And then you're going to, there's going to be a lot of stress regarding, oh my gosh, am I going to get under the bus again? And, and this sort of thing. So that that's absolutely critical is the first few years of when, after you've retired and then you are withdrawing during that time. That's right. Cause on the flip side, there were long-term averages that were below 8% that were successful because of the sequence of return. Um, And so the the other thing that he's not taken into account at all is any kind of a risk profile at all. That's right. Because this is assuming 100% 
is invested basically in a growth portfolio. A hundred percent of your lifetime savings invested in a growth portfolio. And I mean, look at what happened in 2022. Look, I mean, you're, you're over. What, what did happen in 2022? Tell them what happened in 2022 in a growth portfolio. Uh, yeah. You, your S&P 500 was down, you know, roughly 18%. Uh, so if you were in, a, if you were in an S&P 500 fund or an S&P 500 ETF, you saw your, if you had everything in that, you saw your account drop 18% during 2022. Yeah. Wow. And, and you look back, you know, of, in history, you know, you look back the financial crisis, you know, even excluding the major ones, you're going to have areas of the market that outperform and other ones that underperform. If you if you're invested in any sort of a diversified way, <laughs> meaning basically right now is is you're not just all in tech, you're going to underperform the leader in the market because right. you're diversifying to reduce your risk. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll get in more, you know, specific types of investments, but he he's throwing that totally out the window, not taking into that account at all. You know, he doesn't know this guy that's calling in. No. He doesn't know any of the background on there. You know, you you in this business, and this is where he's getting out of his lane, you know, he is not a retirement Expert. Okay, well, I, I'm going to say this unequivocally. Unequivocally, do not follow Dave Ramsey for investment advice. I'm just going to say this categorically. This guy, based on this decision, if this is how he looks at it, don't follow this guy. It's an uninformed, and, and for a guy that that has been in the financial business as long as he have and built a daggone empire, uh, you know, it, on, on giving advice for him to say something like this. I, I mean, I can't even fathom it, but you cannot no, I, follow this guy's in. I'm not saying don't follow his get out of debt advice, but do not follow his investment advice. Yeah, I, I I had to go and listen to the podcast because when I read the article first, I'm like, really? He said I, it just blew my mind that he would take a position like that. And sure, sure as the world, listening to it, he was adamant about it. And you know, he 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 should know better, but he's. He doesn't know that's, that's you have to know the person you're talking to to give any sort of useful advice. Yeah, I mean, uh, for us, yeah. if we had a call in show and we gave advice to that, like that, to someone who was not our client, who was just calling in, asking advice, that's malpractice for us. Absolutely. Uh, that's a, that's he, a, he, that's a breach of our fiduciary uh, requirements. Yes, yes, because somebody listening to this say, "Oh, well, they said he could take this amount. I can take this amount because if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander." It's like no, it had. I mean, everybody's situation is unique. There are certain laws that govern finance, 
and there are certain rules of thumb, but then there's, there's leeway in there depending on the situation. Um, so yeah, and, just, and your investment mix, you can, you can sometimes and, do that. So what, in the next half hour, which is the one right after this, let's focus on how we do it differently. And let's, let's be very specific about what we think is the proper way uh, to manage a retirement uh, account and some of the proper levels of uh, withdrawal. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get it all straightened out, won't we? All right. You've oh, been, you don't sound like you think yeah. we will. Oh, I absolutely. Is that a so, challenge? <laughs> you know, I'm always challenging you. That's the whole. That's my whole job. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson on the phone for our financial hour. If you'd like to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can always go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com, and click on the radio tab. If you'd like to come see us, 859-233-0400. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Financial Hour. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us on the phone, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Keep it playing. Keep it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's by a guy named Mayor Hawthorne. It's called The Walk, and it was very popular a few years ago. So anyway, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> it's got a part in it that's, Probably some, not some, good some, for some bad woods. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> F F uh, yeah, F A A or F A A. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What are we F Federal Broadcasting? <laughs> anyway, ah, uh, next. Um, let's talk about. You know, we do, we talked about Dave uh, Dave Ramsey. And it, it really disappoints me because this is a guy that a lot of people have really trusted for a long, long time. 
regarding uh, getting out of debt. He, and, and it wouldn't be stretching it to say he's really changed a lot of people's lives for the better. Sure. Absolutely. In many, many, many ways. And, and I would say that's up in maybe even up in the millions in terms of the people that have been affected by him. But he's gotten over into this thing of giving people investment advice, and I'm going to tell you, it's not a good thing. And my hope would be that enough of the financial advisors that are in his network of recommended or endorsed financial advisors would would basically get together and put a letter together and say, listen, this is wrong. You know, you said this on your thing. I don't know if they would, but I think they should. Anyway, that's not my concern ultimately, but it does um, give us a chance to talk about how we do it when we have someone as a client and we're managing their retirement investments. Now, let's just, I'm going to try to say this in two or three minutes and then I'm going to let you give some examples. The average person who's been accumulating money over say a 30, 40 year period into an 401k almost 90% or more of them have been investing in a growth portfolio, typically anchored by an S&P 500 type fund. So they've been putting money into this thing every pay period, and they're buying it in good markets and bad markets, and they buy more in bad markets than they do in good markets. And over the years, with a growth bias, you have done extremely well accumulating uh, money in that 401k or IRA or whatever, the 403b could be any of those vehicle that you've been putting your retirement money into. So you would think, oh, okay, well, I, I just sort of keep investing like that over a long period of time. And that's not to say that keeping a growth portfolio could not or would not work out for you. But what we seem to have focused on here is that over time, we like to look at beefing up the uh, dividend-paying portion of that portfolio where you're not liquidating any of the principal at all to take the retirement distributions. You're taking more, if not all, of the retirement distributions from dividends. What does that mean? That means that you don't dig into your principal over time to take your retirement distributions, and it means that uh, in a down market, you won't have to dig into your principal and liquidate in a sense, it's sort of like eating your seed corn. The principle that is the investment basis in your portfolio is there to produce income and or growth. Now, if you own a stock position that 
you know, you've got $20,000 invested into it and it's now grown to 30,000 and you take two or 3,000 out of that growth as part of your uh, distribution that year, that's fine. You know, you've still got, you're still up on the investment. You're selling part of the growth as uh, the excess in order to take the distribution. Okay, fine. But if you rely on doing that only as uh, sort of your strategy over a long period of time, the problem comes in one of those down years like we had last year, 18% down, and you're taking your entire distribution out of growth or in this case loss in the portfolio because you're still liquidating principal because you haven't invested enough into dividend paying stocks to take the distribution out of those dividends which pay no matter whether the market's up or down see here's a common misconception among investors and i guarantee you Half of people out there, no matter how many times you tell them, they still don't realize that dividends on stocks and interest on bonds get paid when the market's up or when the market's down. A lot of people think that if a stock, if the stock market is down, those stocks do not pay dividends that year. They get dividends confused with growth. Two completely separate things. So it is highly possible to have an 18% down year in the stock market and still fund your distributions largely from dividends. And this is why that's what we tend to encourage people to do because it gives you a greater chance over a long period of time of being able to withdraw money from a portfolio year in, year out, and not invade the principal as much, or some cases even at all. This, we believe, uh, tends to, and, and we also like to invest in stocks that have had a history of increasing their dividends over the years, so that this dividend amount might even be higher next year than it was last year, and then we can potentially offset inflation by giving you a bigger uh, amount to withdraw. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. You go ahead and give some color as to the uh, way we do that. Yeah. Well, so talking about, you know, in the growth phase, like with a 401k, you know, why that works is like you said, you're adding to when the market's down. So on average, this goes back to 1928, uh, in years that the S&P 500 had positive returns for the whole year, there was an intra-year drop of 11.6% on average. Wow. So when you're putting money in, that's not bad because while you're accumulating, you're buying more shares at that lower price, and then over the long run, they have gone up in price. The flip side's exactly the opposite. Um, when you're drawing out, so let's say you have a, a, an up year in the market, but you're drawing out X amount, X dollars per month to live on. 
when you have that drop in the market, you need the funds. So the, the, the dollars have to come from somewhere. If you're invested for growth, you're selling shares. And when you're talking about principal, Tom, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the shares. Um, so using a, a, or if it's a, a mutual, unnamed yeah, go ahead. Or, or, or mutual, using an unnamed security that we actually have in the portfolio, um, it's a property and casualty insurance company. It, the stock price is for for to simplify is roughly a hundred dollars a share, and they're paying basically three dollars a share in dividends a year. Now, let's a year three dollars a share in dividends a year. Now this company, they're on their sixty third year of raising dividends. So next year, is it guaranteed? No, but it's likely that. They're not going to be paying $3 a share. They're going to be paying $3.09 or something like that a share in dividends. What the share price does between now and then, that's up to the market. You know, that's short-term things that affect the market. In, when we're talking over the course of a year, it could be geop- geopolitical things, uh, domestic things, interest rates, uh something that's unknowable uh, that's going on that will have an impact short term on the share price so the share price could go from 100 to 90 it could go from 100 to 110 um, right but that income stream that's going to be very consistent because the dividend cuts to the underlying business the business they're in is an extremely boring, mind-numbingly boring business. Yep. But it's a good business long-term, and it's it's pretty predictable, um, which is why they've had such a long history of paying those dividends. We have another one that does tit- a lot of title insurance. It's a similar thing. It's a long-term dividend increase uh, increaser. Uh, right. Increase their dividends. Now, that might be a better verbiage. Um, but with, with that particular type of investment, you're looking at growth of income. So with a fixed income security, a bond, if it's paying $3 a year in interest and it's a 10 year bond in year nine, you're going to get $3 a year in interest. It won't increase the interest over the period of the bond. And at the end of the time the bond's outstanding that's called its maturity date you get all your principal back but you get the same amount of principal you invested 10 years ago there's no inflation adjustment on bonds right and so you have certain securities uh, if you want to call it more income now which pay a higher current yield um, and you have others that have might have a lower current yield, like the one we were talking about, that's roughly 3%, 3.5%, but it's a growth of income over time. And you're balancing out the portfolio uh, based on going back to know know what the needs of the client are. You can customize the allocation to have, you know, if it's a higher current income, or if the person's looking more for long-term growth of income. And so the, the portfolio can be adjusted 
and that's that's why we're 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 not a mutual fund because it's not a here here's here's the thing that we have you know it's it we can change it you know the same principles but we can adjust the weightings to the different holdings based on what the client needs and we give context to those changes you know because there's there's no free lunch in invest everything is a you're it's a trade off on something if you want higher you know growth you know more aggressive quote unquote well you're probably giving up income or if you want you know so everything has an effect and so if we have a, a client that's saying i need this kind of an income stream we'll give a proposal here's how you can generate that here's option b which maybe is kind of middle of the road like maybe not as much income so it's it's all about education you the client knowing what the plan is and, and understanding the approach and it's it's not just this blanket statement of you you invest this way and do this no questions you take out eight percent like ramsey was saying you know it, it, you just you can't do that it, it has to be in the context of the client's needs here's a thing to consider let's say um you have a $500,000 portfolio and that it's deemed that you can safely take 4% a year out and you decide that you are going to adjust that 4% to the beginning account value at the end of each year. So, if at the end of the next year the five hundred thousand is now five oh five, you're now going to take out twenty thousand two hundred or, or some number like that. You're you're going to increase your withdrawal based on the percentage of the ending amount each year now if you take a lower um percentage amount let's say you, you cut it down to three percent so that's money you didn't take out that year that means that's more money left in the account at the beginning of next year you're now going to be able to adjust that three percent to a higher number now, there is the possibility that over time, by taking 3% instead of 4%, you could pass up the person who started out taking 4% because your 3% is growing faster each year because of what you're not taking out. So it's leaving the money in, and which leaves you a higher amount beginning at the beginning of next year, there's a chance, and you'd have to run the numbers on it and look at it real time, that you could actually, at some point, the 3% could be a bigger dollar amount way down in the future than the person who started taking out 4%. Sure, sure. 
Yes, yeah, especially if you're in you know a, a rising market because so let's say it's uh, rather than taking twenty thousand, you're taking fifteen thousand. That extra five thousand that stays in there, that's not just five thousand. That's five thousand that's going to compound, compound over a long period of time. So over ten years, let's say you know you you didn't take five thousand for ten years. You know that's fifty thousand plus. The, whatever the returns would have been, which would be compounded. I mean, that could that could take it to, you know, yeah. sixty or seventy thousand. Which further, to me, and I hate to say this, but illustrates the kind of irresponsibility of the advice that Dave Ramsey gave, because he's not thinking about inflation really. He says he is because he thinks that the twelve percent is going to be straight line, just like the eight percent you're taking out, but. It really isn't, and you're taking you're taxing the account by taking that much out of it. You leave very little margin in there to increase the value of the account over time to make that withdrawal amount a larger number to offset inflation. That's right. That's right. And you know, inflation's never a, a, a static number either. You can look at long term trends and. Uh, but I mean, we've seen it the you know since 2020. You know it, that is not a static number. Things change there too. And it comes uh, at the time when sometimes when you least expect it. That's when it'll hit you right in the jaw, and you're you're sitting there invested one way, and then it comes along and steals money at it or steals purchasing power right out of your pocket. That's why you have to be able to make up ground in times when things are good and you got to get back on top of it by getting some alpha and some returns in your portfolio, whether it be dividends or reinvested dividends or growth that, that you got to be able to be a little more aggressive when the getting's good. Yeah. Well, and hindsight bias too, whenever you're looking back like, well, that makes perfect sense why the market did that. Well, it's never like that when you're going through it. Um, no. You look at what's happened since 2020. Well, looking back, it makes perfect sense why what has happened has happened. But it, it, it you don't, you can't see everything in the future. Nope. Um, and you have to be real careful of looking back and saying, well, I was brilliant because I had an S&P 500 index fund. And because, you know, it's... It, it's it's good to be lucky sometimes, um, but you can't extrapolate that out because things will change in the future without question. Right. All right. That's a wrap for the financial hour this week. If you'd like to learn how we can make your money work for you, give us a call, 859-233-0400. If you'd like to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, go to our website, dupreefinancial.com and click on the radio tab. You can also schedule an appointment to come see us on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour with Tom Dupree and Mike Johnson. Oh, you had to leave it right there, didn't you? I felt it was appropriate. Everybody have a, well, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs>